thank you so much for putting on this conference and, uh, and allowing us to be part of uh, a Living in Spite of Conference. Um, we're all living in spite of something. Yeah. Amen. Everybody, if we took time, everybody here would have a story to tell. Uh, but uh, we thank the Lord that uh, His grace is sufficient. Amen. Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to where we're going to eventually get to, but I'm just letting you have a heads up here. Um, our son Johnny um, was uh, profoundly deaf. And um, when I, for quite a while, I was a lay preacher. I would go to different churches uh, from our church and fill pulpits for guys. And I uh, was in a church one time that was uh, just a small, it was a one-room schoolhouse. It was a really old, old building. It was kind of a neat setting. And um, it was uh, a church that was getting, they were building a new building, but they were just temporarily in that, and it, it was packed out. And Joanne would always sit in the front row and interpret for Johnny while I preached. Um, and so uh, we're in that building, and Joanne's sitting there interpreting for Johnny, and I'm preaching a wonderful message. I mean, it was awesome message. I mean, it was great. And I'm preaching away and preaching away. Well, Johnny was a clock watcher. And um, at our home church, our services started at 10.30 in the morning. And um, by noon, we were, you know, we were at the restaurant. We were, we were home, right? Well, this church started at 11 o'clock, and Johnny didn't pay any attention to the fact that it started at 11 o'clock. So I'm in the middle of this wonderful, wonderful message. Actually, just about wrapping up. But it's five minutes to noon. And uh, Johnny, out of the corner of my eye, I see him go like this. Then he looked up at me, and I'm preaching away, and I'm thinking, man, this is not going to end well, because I, I know my son, right? And so I kept on preaching, I kept on preaching, and he's not paying any attention to his mother now, and he's staring up at me again, and he looks at his watch, he looks up at me, he puts his hand up over his head, like this. And now I'm not paying any attention to him, because, man, I am preaching a wonderful message. And I just kept on preaching, kept on preaching, and he realized I'm not paying any attention to him, so he starts pointing at his watch and goes, ah, like this. And, you know, and finally I, I had to stop. I said, I know, I'm almost finished. And he brings his watch down and shakes his head, you know. At that point, that wonderful message was gone. Nobody could care. Nobody was paying any attention to me anyway. They were all watching Johnny and snickering under their voice, right? But uh, finally the chairman of the deacon board comes up to me afterwards and said, brother, man, that was great. We'd love to have you back anytime you're available as long as you bring your son with you. I said, Thank you so much for all that confidence in that wonderful message that I preach. But um, Lord allowed uh, my wife and I to be Johnny's parents for, for 28 years. Johnny was born, as many of you know if you watched our video, with many multiple unique malformations. He was never put into a syndrome that could never identify uh, uh, a reason why all these things were wrong with him. Uh, they just called it the Johnny Ashley syndrome uh, just because uh, everything was different. Johnny was, uh, like I said, profoundly deaf. He, he was uh, born with a cleft lip and a cleft palate, bilateral cleft lip. He had a hole in his face where his upper lip and his nostrils should have been. Um, he uh, was wall-eyed. His eyes went out in two different directions. He had um, two bad heart valves that were eventually replaced with mechanical valves. He had a diaphragmatic hernia, which is a hole in your diaphragm that usually is fatal in an infant because uh, your intense intestines will back up into your chest cavity and compromise your organs in your chest. And 
Uh, he had kyphosis and scoliosis of the spine. Johnny weighed 97 pounds at 28 years old. He had leg braces from his hips to the bottom of his feet. He uh, uh, was four foot six, and uh, he was fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Johnny was made exactly the way that God wanted him to be made. He made Johnny to be used of God. And in spite of all of Johnny's physical problems, he still had dreams. He wanted to be like his older brothers. He had two older brothers, and uh, he wanted to be like them. He wanted to live independently. He wanted to get married. And uh, he even sat down and he wrote a list of qualifications for his future wife. She had to be pretty. She had to be hearing, but no sign language, so that she could communicate with him and uh, go to his doctor's appointments with him and interpret for him. And she had to be able to dole out all his medications. She had to be able to drive him to his doctor's appointments. She had to be able to cook. She had to be able to clean. And he showed me that list. And I'm thinking, son, you don't want to marry another woman. You want to marry your mother. And, you know, she, she, no other woman's going to jump on those qualifications anyway. But there was a girl that, that Johnny went to Michigan School for the Deaf. And she was an aide. And she uh, was very kind to Johnny. Most of the kids were, were mean, you know, how kids can be, right? Um, but she was always really kind to him. And she was about Johnny's age. And, and uh, she checked off a lot of the boxes on his list. And so um, her birthday and Joanne's birthday and Michael Mabe's birthday are all the same day, uh, which is today, by the way. And, uh, and uh, they would, uh, Johnny would always persuade us to meet up with her at a restaurant, and he'd make her a gift. He'd make her a T-shirt or, a, or a, a hoodie. He liked to draw on material and things like that. And, and uh, we'd get together periodically with her. Well, one day, he brought his list. And while he's sitting at the table, he takes the list and slides it across the table to her. And she picks up the list, and her eyes get about this big. She's under her breast, says, what am I supposed to do with this? I said, I said, well, tell him you don't qualify, and maybe he'll be okay with it, you know. And she, oh, I'm sorry, Johnny. She goes, I can't do that list. Your mom does that list. And he said, fine. And he took the list back, and we never saw it again. So I don't know if he was proposing to her at that point. We don't really know what was going on in Johnny's mind, but, uh, but uh, we never saw the list again. Uh, the last two years of Johnny's life, he was on dialysis. Um, his kidney transplant, he did have a transplant, um, and uh, his kidney transplant failed. And it lasted for 17 years, which is a long time, but then he was on dialysis and he was in pain, and um, uh, his health began to fail because uh, of his heart problems and everything else that he had, and he got to the point where he had just given up on life. As a matter of fact, he no more talk, didn't talk about living independently, didn't talk about wanting to get married. He began to talk about just wanting to go home and be with the Lord. And he asked Mom and I to pray for him and, and pray that God would just take me home. That's how much he hurt. Well, <clears throat> he'd get up in the morning sometimes, he'd say, Jesus is stubborn. Jesus is stubborn. I'd say, why, why, why do you say that? Well, in his mind, see, because of his cleft, he had a, a upper plate that he would uh, put in his mouth each morning, take it out at night. And he said, when I wake up in the morning, if I, I'll rub my tongue against the roof of my mouth, and if I have teeth, I know I'm in heaven. And that's where Johnny wanted to go to heaven from, was from, uh, the, uh, from his bedroom. He loved, his, that was his little domicile. Well, um, he 
decided, well, you know, he wanted to go to be with the Lord, so he started setting dates. And he would set dates when he was going to quit dialysis. That was his plan. I will quit dialysis and let nature take its course. And so he'd set a date. And then he'd realize, well, wait a minute. The Tigers are going to be start playing pretty soon. And he liked, he liked the Detroit Tigers, and so he moved the date. And then, uh, well, you know, something else is coming up, and he'd move the date, and he'd move the date. And uh, on October 3rd, 2015, God took that decision out of Johnny's hands. He had gotten up that morning. He was home. He was in his room. And, uh, and uh, Joanne was in Atlanta, or Atlanta, Georgia, visiting our middle son, had just had their first child. And so she was down there visiting them, and we're texting back and forth, and I could hear Johnny in his room, and uh, we're texting, and just, you know, she's showing, sending pictures of the baby and everything like that. And uh, I was pastoring at the time, and I'm getting ready to go. We were going to have visitation that morning, so I was, uh, was uh, kind of in a hurry, and Johnny's taking his time, so I got ready. And when I came out of my bedroom, I saw his door was still shut. And, Man, Johnny, get up. i got to get you fed, got to get you ready. i got to get out the door. And uh, I went in, and uh, Johnny was laying there, uh, and the Lord had taken him home. Uh, he had gotten up, he made his bed, opened his blinds, and he was using a walker, and he turned his walker towards the door, and before his body ever hit the ground, he was in the arms of Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you all this so you can say, oh, the poor Ashleys, they've been through so much. Folks, we are well aware that there are many people out there that have gone through much deeper waters than what we've gone through. We're just trying to be faithful to what God has called us to. This conference is part of the ministry that God's called us to. We want to be a help. We want to be an encouragement to God's people. To help God's people realize that your trials aren't just something that God is doing to you or something that I said last night that God could have prevented. There's something that God wants to use to build a testimony. To build a testimony of His grace and His strength in your life to show the world that He is real and that He is alive. Romans chapter number 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you now, and Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your word. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that we can get from your word. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you have given us all opportunity to be a testimony of your grace and your strength. Oh, Father, I pray now as I, as I speak, I pray that, Lord, you would guide and direct my speech. And Father, I would say what needs to be said, and Lord, I would uh, be silent where I need to be silent. But Lord, most of all, I pray that you glorify yourself in this message. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to hearts, encourage those that are hurting, and Lord, motivate us all to, Lord, be a testimony of the grace and the strength of God. Now the Bible here tells us, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through, uh, God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You and I that know Jesus Christ as our Savior have a reason to rejoice. We should rejoice in the fact that we are saved. 
But not only so, friend, this should be our goal. It should be, as the children of God, our, um, our desire to tell other people that we're saved. And not only that, but to tell them how they too can know the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and what, what we need to be able to do is to be able to, a lot of times, connect with people. We want to connect with people. We want to make a connection with other people. And sometimes it's hard for us to do. We uh, have a friend of ours that uh, she uh, is a very bold witness for Christ, always has been. And she, um, uh, had gotten, she's gotten Lyme disease, and it's, it's taken its toll on her, and she's homebound now. And she has um, uh, caregivers come into her home uh, in the morning and at night. And they're not always the same people. They're different people that come from different agencies and things like that. And her goal is to witness to each one of them. And we went and visited her a while back, and, and we got to talking about that. And she said, "My, uh, what I try to do is find out where they hurt. Because if I, you can find out where they hurt, that's usually what's keeping people from God. Because, you know, and, and, so, and so she tries to find out where they hurt, and then she can go to that place. Because you, you see some folks, everybody has problems. Everybody has trials. And we can connect with everybody on that common ground. The fact that everybody hurts, everybody has problems, and we need to be people that are willing to share our testimony. You know, uh, we may not be able to con uh, connect in a lot of areas, but we can connect on the common experience that we all have, and that is trials. So we need to rejoice in the testimony of salvation. But you know, Paul goes on here, and, and he says that, that he glories in tribulation. He glories in tribulation. That word glory means to brag or to boast. He brags about the problems that he has in life. He brags about the pain and the agony that he's been through. Now, we're not so much like that, are we? But that, that's what the, the Apostle Paul said in verse number 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. You know, people can't look at you and I and see whether or not we're saved. They can't look at us and say, well, that person's saved. Now, they may see the effects of our salvation. You know, uh, you know we, we, we don't do a lot of things, or we don't, you know, our, our language is, is clean and everything. But you know what, folks? There's a lot of moral people in the world that are not saved, that don't know Christ as their Savior. There's a lot of moral people, good people. But you know what? Um, we, we, when a person gets saved, you know, we, we want them to, to, you know, learn to be separated from the world and, and uh, to, you know, take, get this out of your life, get this out of your life, get this in your life, do these things. And we put a bunch of do's and don'ts on people, and, and I'm all for separation, amen? I'm all for it. But people don't see us so much, they don't see Christ in us so much by how we act. They see Christ in us by how we react, how we react to situations in our life. That's the most important thing. See, Johnny, he was a very inspirational young man. People uh, were very inspired by him. Matter of fact, Michigan School for the Deaf established an award uh, in his honor when he graduated from high school called the John Ashley Inspiration Award. And it's been given out ever since he graduated every year to the senior that that, uh, that the graduate that uh, has lived their life, gone through some trials, gone through some di difficulties, but kept what they called a sunny disposition. But that was Johnny. I mean, he'd go to the hospital, and he, he, he would be looking forward to seeing all the nurses. That was just how he was, you know. I mean, I mean he could be sick, he's going in for surgery, whatever it was that, that we were going, and he'd, 
he'd just be tapping on the tapping on the uh, council and the car, just looking forward to seeing some pretty faces. Amen. But 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 you know what? You and I, we're we're not so much like that, like Johnny. We're not so. You know what? Even the Apostle Paul himself was not so much like Johnny. So keep your place in Romans, but I want you to turn to Second Corinthians chapter twelve. 2 Corinthians chapter twelve is very very familiar portion of scripture to most of us, but it, it, it kind of helps drive this point home. Second Corinthians 12 and verse 7, the Bible says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The Apostle Paul wanted God to take that thorn, whatever it was, we don't know what it was, but he asked the Lord three different times to take that thorn from him. Remove it from me. I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to have to go through this. I'm sure that he thought that he could serve God much better without whatever he was going through, without ever that, that thorn was. However, Paul went from hating that thorn to embracing that thorn when he realized it was the source of the power of Christ in his life. Paul's trials became part of his Testimony in Second Corinthians chapter eleven and verse number twenty-three, the Bible says, "Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths off of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters." in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. Can you see Paul went through some perils, amen? He went through some trials in his life. Uh, verse 27, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I'm going to brag or boast, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. Paul says, I'm going to brag about the problems that I have in life. See, his apostleship always seemed to be in question because, you know, he was not one of the 12, you know. And, and, and people would, would question, his, question his authority and his, you know, his apostleship. And he says, you want to know my authority? You want to know what my qualifications are? All the trials that I went through in my life for the cause of Jesus Christ. You know, it's through God, trials that God shows himself real. It's through our trials that God shows himself real. And that is when we experience his power. And we have the greatest impact on those that are around us. You know, before Johnny was born, uh, Joanne got saved about a year and a half before Johnny was born. I had been saved uh, at 19 years old while I was in the service. And, uh, but I was backslid. I was away from God under conviction for years. 
And then when Joanne got saved, I got right with God. And so basically we were baby Christians. I mean, you know, uh, and, uh, and all our friends and our family, you know, they thought we'd lost our minds. Uh, they're in a cult. They're in church all the time now. But they'll get over it. They'll change. Don't worry. They, they'll get back to normal. And, uh, and they, they just thought maybe it was a phase that we were going through in our lives. But then Johnny was born. And when Johnny was born, they began to watch. Everybody began to watch to see if we really believed what we had been telling them. All right, now, now this is where the rubber meets the road in the Christian walk. When deep trials come into your life, when heartache comes into your life, are you going to show people Christ or are we going to fall apart like the world does? Amen? Again, I, I believe that people want to know that God is real. They want to know that God's real. So whatever you've been going through or whatever you may be going through today or whatever you will go through, your trials, your problems, your heartache are a part of your testimony. The testimony. People are watching you, folks. People are watching you. Friends, family, neighbors, co-workers. They're watching your life. And they want to, they want to know whether or not God's real, and they're going to find out by you showing them Christ in the midst of your trials. Again, don't look at your uh, trials as something that God could have prevented. They're what God will use to reveal his power in us. There was a meme on Facebook a while ago, and uh, it said, someone had to go into the fire so that Nebuchadnezzar could see the Lord. Amen? Three Jewish boys go into the fire. Nebuchadnezzar looks down and says, hey, didn't we throw three, three guys in there? And, yeah, Lord, we, we threw three guys. Hey, guys, I see there's a fourth one in there. There's a fourth one in there. And he says, the Son of God. Hey, friend, the fires that you're going through are designed so that people can see Jesus Christ in you, so that the Son of God can reveal himself to them. Then I want you to see the testimony of patience. Romans chapter uh, 5, again, in verse 3. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Have you ever had anybody tell you whatever you do, don't pray for patience? Amen, because if you pray for patience, you'll get it. You'll get it, but the way you're going to get patience is because you're going to go through trials and you're going to go through heartache. So whatever you do, don't pray for patience. But can I tell you this? The Bible also says in Hebrews 10.36, For ye have need of patience. After that ye have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. In James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting Nothing. Bible tells us that we have a need for patience. Bible tells us there's a work that patience does in our life that perfects us, that completes us, that develops us in our Christian walk. Then why wouldn't we pray for it? Why wouldn't we ask God, Lord, I need patience. Amen. I need patience. The word patience has, a, you know, again, the literal meaning is joyful endurance, but it also has the idea of consistency consistency. Having a consistent walk with God. So as your faith is tested and we deal with our trials, we need to keep a consistent testimony. A consistent testimony of God's grace and God's goodness. You know, the Bible speaks of the patience of Job. And Job was a man that walked with God before he went into his trials, in the midst of his trials, and then as he went forward, 
through his trials, he had a walk with God. He was a man that walked with the Lord. In Job 19, verse 25, it says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Again, people want to know that God's real. And they need to see a Christian that has some consistency about them. You know, <laughs> they want to know somebody that's got a connection. You know, Brother Ryan, you got buddies, you got friends, you know, and they might, oh, no, 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 I don't need Jesus. I don't want that. I don't, but they want to stay close, man, just in case. Just in case. They want to know, they want to know you still got a connection for them, amen? And that's how people are, right? I worked, uh, I was a pipe fitter for 29 years, and I was working in a shop, in this one shop, and my boss used to love making fun of me. He called me John the Baptist, and he just thought that was the funniest thing in the whole world. And he'd get all the other guys together, and they'd laugh and joke, John the Baptist, this and that. I thought it was a compliment, man. Hey, you know, I mean, John the Baptist, you can call me a lot worse, amen, uh, amen. But, but he made fun of me, he made fun of me, but he was my boss, right? And so he's the guy that I always had to call and say, hey, I'm not going to be in today. Johnny, we got to take Johnny to the emergency room. Hey, Johnny's having surgery, whatever. So he knew what was going on in our lives, what was happening in our lives. And by the grace of God, was able to show him some consistency. One day he walked up to me and says, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And I thought, oh, man, I'm in trouble. What I do wrong? He pulled me off to the side, and he began to cry. And he says, I don't know if you people have any con connection with God down there at your church, but will you please pray for my wife. They think she's got cancer. I said, of course I will, man. Of course I will. And we prayed for her and prayed for her. As far as I know, she's still alive. But you see, he had diabetes. He had diabetes, and his kidneys failed. And it, it was a few years later, after I wasn't even working there, but still some of us guys stayed in contact. And I was told about that you know he was on dialysis now. And he was doing sick. I went and visited him in the hospital. I was able to lead him to the Lord six months before he died. Even was able to go to his house and, and kind of kind of reaffirm his salvation and just made sure that, that he truly was saved. But you see, he, by the grace of God, he saw some consistency. He saw some consistency in our life. You know, people say, the Lord will never give you more than you can handle. Can I tell you something, friend? That's just not true. Amen. That's not Bible. I mean, if you read, if you read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, in verse 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that year, able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And people say, see, it says right there, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. No, friends, talking about temptation and sin, not temptation of, 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 of uh, trials, all right? The Lord will regularly give you and I more than we can handle. Because we're not supposed to handle it. We're supposed to turn it over to Him. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Word of God tells us, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And show the world His power. You know, like I said before, when Johnny was born, people began to walk, watch us. Watch every move we made. My dad, uh, my, my dad and my mom got divorced when I was five. He was a hard man. He was an alcoholic. Um, and uh, I was always afraid of my dad. And um, when, I, uh, when I got right with God, you know, I began to pray for my dad. Lord, save my dad. Save my, whatever it takes, save my dad. And so when you pray a what 
ever it takes prayer, you're thinking, Lord, do something to my dad that will bring him to Christ, right? Well, instead, the Lord brought Johnny into our life. And man, my dad watched us. He watched us like a hawk. And my pastor led him to the Lord six months before he died in the VA hospital in Allen Park, Michigan. And this is what he told my pastor. He said, I don't know what John and Joanne have, but whatever it is, it's real. All right? Now, I'm not bragging on us. I'm not bragging on us at all. I'm bragging on him and what he's done in our lives. Folks, we have got to understand that people are watching us. They're watching every move. And we need to be people that react with some consistency and show others the power of God in our life, like we talked about last night. Then there's the testimony of persuasion. In verse number 4, it says, And patience, experience. Man, experience is the best teacher, right? But it's also the hardest teacher. It's because you take the test, then you take the class. You, you, you take the exam, you take the trial, and then you learn to trust God as you go through each day. As we learn to trust the Lord, we learn to trust the Lord and realize He is faithful. He is faithful in our lives. When we've experienced uh, the tr trust in the Lord through our trials, our trust grows. Job, again, in chapter 13, verse 15 says, Though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. But I will maintain my, uh, my uh, own ways before him. You know, I, I spoke about this a little bit last night. I was in the delivery room for the first time with one of our children when Johnny was born. And, and when, they, when, they, uh, when, when Johnny was born, it was a shock to us. There was no indication that there was any problems. We knew there was nothing wrong as far as we knew. The pregnancy went fine. Everything was good. When Johnny was born, they, they brought, first of all, it, it was, uh, the doctor said, well, it's a boy, and we'd been praying for a little girl. And so, okay, well, you know, we're, there's a little bit of disappointment, but then you're waiting to hear, he's fine. But he says, no, he's got a hair lip. And that's an old slang term that they used to use for a person that had a cleft lip. Well, again, Johnny didn't have a, 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 a cleft lip. He had a hole in his face. And, and his eyes are pointed out in two different directions. His tongue was sticking out, and he was pale. And, and you knew there was just by looking at him, there was, there was things that were wrong with him. There was a lot that was wrong with him. And, and uh, then they told me, I, Mr. Ashley, you have to leave or while we finish up with your wife. Uh, the nurse escorted me to the locker room and said, changing your street clothes, meet the doctor in the waiting room. He'll come in after we're done with your wife. And like I said last night, I leaned on them lockers, and I wept. And said, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. I need your grace, and I need your strength. And can I tell you something, friend? He answered that prayer. Amen. Again and again and again, operating rooms, intensive care waiting rooms, emergency rooms, over and over again, the grace of God was evident in our lives. And we were able to draw on the grace that God gave us Joanne would ask me every once in a while, why do we have to go through this again? Why are we going through this again? And I'd say, sweetheart, it's just another opportunity for us to experience God's grace in our lives. And there was sometimes she'd look at me and say, yeah, okay, well, whatever, but I don't, <laughs> we've had plenty of opportunities, amen, you know. But can I tell you that God's been faithful in these 36 plus years that God has, God has shown us through Johnny's life and since his home going. 
You see, God wants to build a testimony of faith in our lives. Faith, trusting him, believing him. The testimony of persuasion can only come through experiencing the grace and the strength of God. And friend, that's when we develop an unshakable faith. I've seen them come through again and again and again and again. And I'm just going to believe them again the next time a trial comes my way. I'm just going to believe that he can take care of it. And then I want you to see the testimony of promise. In verse 4, it says, And patience experience and experience hope. Hope. Hey, friend, there's no hope in our government. There's no hope in your job. There's no hope in your bank account. There's no hope in your 401k. There's only hope in Jesus Christ. The Lord is our hope. You know, biblical hope is not, well, it's a possibility. No, biblical hope is an expectation. I expect God to do what he says he's going to do. I have a confidence that this is what God says it will happen, and that's exactly what will happen. Experience teaches us that you can trust God's promises no matter what comes our way. People need hope today, amen? And they need to see us living as though there's hope. Child of God, live as though you've got some hope. Got hope in the Lord. You believe that his promises are true. Johnny had hope. Man, he was willing to quit dialysis. I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going home. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to get me teeth. I'm going to get me a new body. He knew that that, that was his hope, and he never wavered. He never wavered in, that, in his belief. You know, we can trust this book, friend. This book is reliable. The, 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 the people that are in this book really live. The situations that, that are, that are uh, described in this book really happened. Yes, Jonah did live in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights. Amen? I mean, these things really did happen. And you can trust in the Word of God. The Bible says that God loves us no matter what. We can depend on Him dealing with us out of a heart filled with love. The Word of God tells us He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We can know that we are never alone. Jesus said, I go prepare a place for you, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Hey, man, we can know that someday we're going home. We're punching out, amen. We're going to be going into that place that Jesus prepared for us. The Word of God tells us that we can have joy in the midst of sorrow. We can grieve with the expectation of joy. Joy and sorrow can coexist. October 3rd, 2015 was the worst day of our lives. Like I said, I got up that morning and Johnny uh, uh, had passed away. I walked into his room. I saw him lying on the floor and, and I moved his walker out of the way because I thought he had fallen. And, I was gonna, and then I realized, he's gone. He's gone. And I, and I dropped to my knees and I grabbed him and clutched him to my chest and I began to weep and I began to cry and I'm calling his name, Johnny, 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 Johnny. And then suddenly, for a brief moment, there was joy. Not for me, not for Joanne, but for Johnny. His faith became sight, man. He's, he's home. He's home. He's, he's whole. He's got, he's got a, a, a strong body. He's, he can talk. He can, he can run. I'm thinking, all I could think of was run, Johnny, run. Enjoy heaven, son. I'll see you someday. Friend, that can only happen. That can only happen by the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
knowing that he had trusted Christ himself. He had asked God to forgive him, and he put his faith and trust in him. And finally, my friend, there's a testimony of passion. Verse 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. My friend, there is no shame in having tribulation. There's no shame in having problems. There's no shame in having heartache. Because God's love is on display in your life. Sometimes I think we, we feel as though we're hurting God's testimony by admitting we have problems. Everybody has problems. Everybody goes through trials. But because God's love is on display, the pain that we suffer is only matched by his love. Again, we talked about this last night. The Lord sent us another comforter, friend, the Holy Ghost of God. And the Holy Ghost of God will comfort us in all our tribulation, in all our heartache. He re uh, the Lord reveals uh, his love to us in the midst of our trials. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, the Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through tribulation, we gain patience. Through patience, we gain experience. Through experience, we gain hope. And through it all, through it all, we're not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And my friend, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your love. God, we know that you're building a testimony in us that we may not have chosen. But Lord, we don't choose how you choose to use us. It's not our decision, Lord. It's up to you. And Lord, we thank you that you would even use one of us in your work. Father, I pray that this morning we would realize that our trials are part of the testimony that you're building, not of our strength, but of your strength. So Lord, again, we want to thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, that we can have a testimony, a testimony of the grace and the strength of God in the midst of our trials. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor.